several weeks ago, I preached two or three Sundays about the idea of fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We talked about fear and faith and how when it is meshed together the way that it should be, that it brings freedom. And as I was standing there worshiping with you and listening to you as you worship, I just felt in my spirit that the Lord was saying, this is that freedom that comes from not being afraid. As people begin to step out in faith and worship freely, pray openly, passionately, courageously, it brings about freedom that cannot be found any other way other than being free from fear and exposing the faith that is in us. And when we do that, we will experience freedom. Aren't you glad to be free today? The scripture says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I like that word indeed at the end, don't you? Because it really, it means that there is unlimited supply of freedom. We are completely and totally free because of Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, what a beautiful time of worship today. I'm so thankful that we can come together and worship the Lord and honor Him. He is worthy to be praised, isn't He? He is worthy to receive our praise and worship. In fact, why don't we just one more time, right? Just stay seated, just right where you are. Just lift your hands up to Him and speak worship and praise to Him and thanksgiving. Thank Him for that thing that He has done for you this week, for that miracle that He has worked in your life, that peace that passes all understanding that He gave you this week. That strength when you were so weak that you couldn't make it another minute of another day. And he reached to where you are and he strengthened you. Just give him thanks for that this morning. Amen. For he is worthy of our thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm not afraid of the move of the Spirit, are you? Not only am I not afraid, I welcome it. Whenever God wants to move among us and do His work among us, I am ready to receive it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, reach for your Bibles, if you will, and take them and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. I want to uh, speak for a few moments on something that I started talking about a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. As the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us and said, I'm getting ready to move you out of that land, and I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm glad that God has a place prepared for us. Aren't you? I, I live my day in my life every day believing that today could be the day that Jesus Christ comes again. And if He does, we will leave this land and we will go into that land that he has been preparing for you and for me. And I'm not afraid of that. I'm looking forward to the day when Jesus comes. And he takes us up out of this place. The scripture in one place says that our, that our soul, our bodies, our spirit is groaning for that moment of sweet release. 
Won't it be wonderful there, the old song says. Won't it be wonderful when we're able to walk on streets of gold and pass through gates of pearl and be in the presence of Jesus Christ and know that our sins have been forgiven, that our bodies will never be sick again, we will never cry a, a negative tear again. All will be perfect on that day when we arrive in the presence of the Lord. Won't it be wonderful there? I wish I could remember the words to the song. I'd just sing it for you this morning. Somebody told me I ought to just break out in song today. Well, if I could remember the words, I would. The problem with is that the, the songs that I know are 100 years old, and uh, I don't always remember all the words. But today I want to talk to you about a land that flows with milk and honey, according to the scripture. That's how it's described. And I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now, the first few verses that I'm going to read to you today are not on the screen. So if you have your device, turn in your device or, or on your device. Uh, or if you have your Bibles, open that up, and I will read to you the first seven verses that I want you to get so that we can experience the context here of what I'm going to be talking about. Father, first of all, let me come to you and just thank you for, what a, for giving us the experience of worship today, the opportunity to feel you, to know that you are present with us and that we are not alone, that all things are possible for, for us because of you. And uh, I just pray now that as we open our hearts to the Word of God, that you will speak to us in a way that will forever change us and help us to be strong in our faith because of what you will do in us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beginning at verse 1, chapter 11 in Deuteronomy, says, Therefore, love the Lord your God and always keep his mandate, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commands. Understand today that it is not your children who experienced or saw the discipline of the Lord your God. Let me stop long enough to just point out to you that he's saying, I'm working with you based on what you remember that I have done in the past. And the writer here says, your children don't know anything about this because they didn't experience it, but you did. And because you experienced it, you were able to pull up that memory and draw faith and build faith based on what you know. Now, don't get me wrong. Our children will have their own memories. They will have their own faith that is established on what they've seen God do, not only in your life, but in, our, in, in their lives as well. And that is why it is so important for us to have our children in the presence of the Lord on a regular basis because they need their own memories of what God can do in their life. And then he says, here's what you have experienced. You've experienced his greatness, strong hand, outstretched arm, his signs, the works he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and all his land. What he did to Egypt's army, its horses and chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued you, and he destroyed them completely. What he did to you in the wilderness until you reached this place, say, this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abiram, 
the sons of Eliab, the Reubenite, when in the middle of the whole Israelite camp, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and their tents and every living thing with them. And then he says in verse 7, he says, Your own eyes have seen every great work that the Lord has done. Isn't that amazing? Now that's the context. God is speaking to them through the writer, writer here. And he is saying, I don't want you to forget what I have already done to you to this point. I, I have already provided the miraculous for you to see and experience. And that will forever be in your memory bank. And you will forever be able to establish your faith based on what I have already done. And then in verse 7, he says, It is your own eyes that have seen every great work that I have done. Now, if we were to take time this morning, go around the room and ask for a testimony service, there would be those of you who would tell us about things that God has done in your life many, many years ago. It may be a testimony of healing. It may be a testimony of your own faith when you were so far away from God that you thought you'd never find your way to salvation. And yet He found you where you were and He saved your soul and He set your feet upon a firm foundation. You would tell stories about how that you were lower than you've ever been in your life and yet God somehow reached down and found you where you were and picked you up and dusted you off and told you to keep trying and to go at it again. We had testimonies about how that when you were in the darkest moment of your life, He shined His light upon you and gave you the revelation that you needed in that moment. I'm telling you with a room that is as full as this room is today of God-fearing, God-loving people, the testimonies would be endless of the mercy and the grace of His hand upon our lives. Just me, I can go back through my life and can remember in different phases and stages of my life when if it had not been for the Lord to come to my rescue and to do a work in my life, I would not have survived. But I survived because of the strong hand of the Lord that was upon me and remains upon me. And today my faith is what it is because I know what God can do. I've seen what God can do. And I know that if He's done it once and if He's done it for me, He can do it again and He can do it for you. We are blessed because of Almighty God today. Amen? And what he's saying here now as we move forward is he's saying, As good as I've been to you, and as wonderful of my works as you've seen in your life, it is about to get better. Because I'm going to move you from where you are now to another place. And when you get there, you're going to experience a land that is flowing with milk and honey. You are going to be blessed 
and favored and prospered in such a way that you'll never want to go back to where you came from. Because you will know that that land, while it was good and while it was blessed, is not what He has for me now. I'm not satisfied to live in that land when God has said, come on out of that land and come over here to this land that I have been preparing for you. I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this message and about how that Jesus is coming again. And Jesus has prepared a place for us. He told us that in his word. He said, where I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Let me tell you, when my day comes to die and leave this earth, whenever that may be, I'm not going to fight God over it because I know to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord Jesus. And if it comes through the rapture when Jesus steps out on the eastern clouds and the trump of God sounds, I'm not going to stand on this earth and say, Oh, God, please don't take me now. I'm having too much fun. I'm too blessed. I'm enjoying life too much as good as life may be I'm telling you that what he has prepared for you and me is greater yet than anything we've ever experienced in our lives come out of that land and enter into this land that I have prepared for you all that was free I haven't even taken my text yet verse 8 he says keep every command I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to cross into and possess the land that you are to inherit. And so that you may live long, say live long. Live long long in the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are entering to possess is not like the land of Egypt. From which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated by hand as in a vegetable garden. But the land that you are entering to possess is a land of mountains and valleys that are watered by the rain from the sky. It is the land that the Lord your God is taking care of. He is always watching over it. From the beginning to the end of the year. If you carefully obey my commands that I am giving you today. To love the Lord your God. And to worship Him with all your heart and all your soul. I will provide rain for your land at the proper time. The autumn rain and the spring rains. And you will harvest your grain and your new wine and your fresh oil. And I will provide grass in your fields for your livestock. And you will eat and be satisfied. I tell your neighbor, say, that sounds like some place I'd like to go. Sounds good to me, amen? I heard somebody talking, I think it was Neil, he's talking about the fish fry Friday night. He said, did you get any of the Catholic fish? I said, no, I, I got Episcopalian fish this last Friday night. But I had to fish. He said, man, it's good, it's hard to beat. I mean, when people start talking about good things, it whets your appetite, doesn't it? And that's what the writer of Deuteronomy is saying. He's saying as many times as you've already been blessed. 
as many times as God has poured and lavished His love upon you. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet because God is getting ready to bless you in ways that will absolutely blow your mind. So today I want to break this apart a little bit so that you can understand it a little bit. God had made promises to His people. And so it's good for us to know what those promises are so that we can take hold of those and apply them even in our own lives. So there are five things I want to point out to you very quickly. And the first is I want you to notice that we talk about, and Scripture talks about, the possession of the land. How many of you know it's important for us to possess what God has? Now, I want you to look at the screen. I italicized and underlined a couple of words that I want you to look closely at today. The first word is keep. The first word is keep. It says, keep every command I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to cross into, and here's the next word, possess the land that you are to inherit. Now this word keep has a few meanings when it comes to Scripture. Keep me, keep me hot in the monitors up there if you will. I, I would appreciate it. This word keep is a word that means that you should not only take it, but you should hold on to it. That you should not let go of it. You should not loosen your grip on what God has given you. It, it, it's like, you know, sometimes we want to take it temporarily. But what God is saying here is, I want you to keep it and possess it. I want you to keep every command. Say every command. When we talk about the commandments of God. Sometimes we think that God's just being bossy for the fun of it. Did you ever know a bossy individual? Bossy people tend to get on our nerves, don't they? Am I the only one that feels that way? I don't like for people to boss me around. I, I feel like that at my age and at this place in life, I'm a smart enough guy that I know what to do and when to do it without somebody telling me how to get it done. I just don't like bossy people. The fact of the matter is that God is bossy because He knows that if we will keep His commandments, that they will lead us to a place of divine possession of the promises that He has given us. So this word keep here is a word that literally means that we have held on to it for so long now that it has literally become a part of who we are. Now, you know, when you were younger, like most people, we try to determine what hairstyle looks best on us. You know, we either part it on the left and flip it to the right, or we part it on the right and flip it to the left. Or nowadays, you just get you some of that goop and put it in your hair and it just stands straight up. We look at all these ways that we think we look best. And then we finally hit that hairstyle that becomes us. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, that's becoming of you? What it literally means is, is that feature 
has become a part of who you are. It has become a part of your existence. And that's what God is saying through the writer here. He's saying, I want you to keep my commandments. I don't want you to do them just because I'm telling you to do them. I want you to do them because I know what's best for you. And I know that in order for you to be fully blessed by my hand, you're going to have to do what I ask you to do because that will position you for the blessings. And it will lead you to what I want for you, but you've got to keep it in your heart so that when the time comes, you won't have to go look up the passage of Scripture. You won't have to ask your pastor what the opinion of God is on this. You will know because you have kept it in your heart so that you can be positioned for blessing. So he says, keep every command I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to cross in and possess the land that you inherit. Possess the land. So in other words, it becomes part of who I am. Now I live at 113 Granite Court. That's where we live in Mount Washington, Kentucky. 40047, is that right? I think. I can remember the day when I was a kid that I lived at 1524 McCaney Street, El Dorado, Illinois, 27350. I remember that. I can remember my phone number even some days. That was a part of who I am. When I came home from school, I didn't go to the neighbor's house. I went to McCaney Street. When I get done at the office now... I go home to Granite Court because it's part of me. It's where I exist. It's where I live. It's a part of who I am. It, it becomes me when I go there. It wasn't becoming to me until we owned the house. But once we owned the house and took possession of it, it became a part of who I am. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, is that God has blessed some of you in such a way that it has just become a part of your identity. Oh, don't let the devil try to move you to a different identity than what God has already established in you. No, walk in the blessings that God has given you and keep His commandments so that you can possess the land that He is providing you. So the first word is possess. Turn to your neighbor and say, I must possess. Possess. Now the next word that I want you to see is the word prolong. Say prolong. Prolong is a word that literally means that it lasts for a long period of time. If it prolongs, it means that it that, that it lasts. Now, in the scripture it says, uh, so that you may have the strength to cross and so that you may live long in the land. That is a prolonged blessing. My wife has been a blessing to me for 44 plus years. Really, when we dated two years, 46. I mean, she's been a blessing to me. She's still a blessing to me. She remains a blessing to me. I have no desire to look at any other female blessings in my life. I have no need because I am, 
I have lived long in the land, and I'm going to keep living in the land of Donna as long as I have breath in my body. I don't need any other options. I don't need somebody else. I don't want something else because I have what God blessed me with, and I'm content and happy with the blessing that God has given me. And I have every intention of staying put in the blessing that God has given me. Now, you know, I know some people that they just have no idea how to stand in their blessing. They have absolutely no idea how to remain in the sweet spot that God has established for them. Sweet spot. You know, these are these things that are a part of our life that we go to. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but when we decide where we're going to go eat, before I can decide where I want to go eat, I have to decide what I want to eat. Because where I go to eat will be determined by what I want to eat. So if I want a hamburger, I have my favorite hamburger places. If I want a steak, I have my favorite steak places. If I want a grilled cheese sandwich, I just stay home and make it myself or or ask Donna to. If I know what I want to eat, then I know where I want to go. And here's the point I'm trying to make. When somebody suggests that I ought to try something different, I oftentimes don't want to do that because I already know that the steak is good at that place and that the hamburger is good at that place. And if I want a milkshake, I want to go to that place. And if I want an ice cream cone, I want to go to that place. Because I've already discovered and tried the places, and I know where my favorites are. And so I want to go there. Here's what I'm trying to say. Scripture tells us that we should want and desire to live long in the land. In other words, if God is blessing you here in this moment, in this place then stay there as long as he's blessing you and just say, pour it on me, God. I want every drip and every drop of everything that you have for me and I am not leaving this spot until I have gotten everything that you have in store for me. Sometimes we need to learn how to just stay put. We just need to get where God wants us to be. And I know that there are times in life that circumstances come that require us to change places. There are times that we have to come out of a place to get to another place. But once we get to the other place and God says, this is the place I prepared for you, then stop looking for something else and just stand in that blessing. Be blessed by it. Prolong your days in the land. Thirdly, there is, there is conversation here in this scripture about a promise. Now I want you to notice it says, if. It says, if you shall hearken diligently, it shall come to pass. If you carefully obey my commands. 
that I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship Him with all your heart and all your soul. Notice that word, if you carefully obey. If. Now listen, anytime God speaks to you by His word or through the prophecy, if He says, if, then you should listen very closely to what comes next. Because here's what's happening. God is making a commitment to you. He's saying, if you will do this, then I will do that. And so if God says, if, boy, you better perk your ears up and listen and identify what God is saying, that if I do this, He's going to do that. Because if He's going to do that, it motivates me to want to do what I need to do to, to, to get where I can receive that blessing. To position myself for the blessing that He has for me. If. How many of you know that the promises of God are yes and amen? We've been talking about that a lot lately. Yes and amen. Look at your neighbor and say yes and amen. Here's what that means. It means that God's promises are yes. He means for His promises to be a blessing to you. He means for His promises and His work to provide something in your life that will be a blessing to you. It is yes. And then the amen is what we do when we agree with His yes. If God says this, then our response should be amen. God, let it be so. Lord, I know that's the reason when we pray it's so important that we know Scripture. Because when we begin to pray Scripture and pray the Word of God, then we are praying the yes of the Spirit. We are praying the yes of the Word of God. We are praying the yes. And then all we have to do is say, Lord, if you already said this, then I say amen to what you have already said. If you say that any two shall agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven, then I want somebody who will agree with me concerning the Word of God so that the two of us can produce the results that you want to bring into our lives. We have to agree with the Word of God, the promise of God. Now the commandments release the promise of blessing. So he says, if you'll do that, then this shall come to pass. In other words, if God says, I'm going to do it, then you just need to go ahead and get ready. Now, my wife, when she cooks at the house, about five minutes before it's ready to hit the table, she'll say to me, dinner's almost ready. You need to prepare yourself. And what she means by that is she wants me to go to the bathroom before it's time to go to the table. Because otherwise I'll sit down and then I'll need to go to the restroom. So she'll give me time to prepare myself and then it gives me the opportunity, some of you older men know what I'm talking about exactly this morning. Then it gives me the opportunity then to sanitize my hands and wash my hands and dry them off. And then I go to the table and I sit down and I wait because I know the blessing's coming. 
I may not know what it looks like. It could be beans and cornbread. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It, it could be pork loin with all the goodies that go with that. It could be roast. It could be chili. It could be anything. She's determined what she's going to provide for me at the table. And I've taken care of all of the preliminaries. And I am ready to partake. And that's what God is saying here. He's saying prepare yourself. I've been preparing for this moment when I'm getting ready to take you out of that land and put you into this land that flows with milk and honey and you're going to be blessed if you will abide by my commandments. That's what he says. Fourthly, the next word I want you to consider is the word prosperity. The scripture says, I will provide rain for your land. That's what it says. At the proper time, the autumn and the spring rains. Some translations say the early rain and the latter rain. And you will harvest your grain, you will have new wine, and you will have fresh oil. Now, I don't mind eating leftovers. There are some leftovers that I like better when I have it as a leftover than I do the first time. Meatloaf as an example. I love meatloaf. You can get it, you know, fried up in the skillet a little bit, put it on a sandwich with some mayonnaise and some cheese and some other stuff. I mean, mayonnaise makes everything better. It really does. Not any of that Miracle Whip junk. That's for the birds. God didn't create Miracle Whip. Mayonnaise for me. I like it when it's a second. I like it when it's a leftover. But then when it's been sitting in the refrigerator for two weeks, I don't want it anymore. How many of you can agree with me? I mean, when I, when I open it up, and, and we're, we're cleaning out the refrigerator this week so that we could go get some fresh groceries, and we still had some things in there, leftovers, and there were, I, I opened up one of them, and I, had, I saw on there, some green mold that was that was growing it was about the size of a penny and my first thought was i wonder if i can scrape that off and still eat it because i liked it the first time but when it gets mold on it i don't really want it anymore i don't really like it anymore i'm ready to move out of that land into a new land flowing with prosperity and new wine and new oil I'm ready to move on. How many of you have ever made yourself a sandwich? And you got the bread out, and it was old bread. You were trying to get rid of it and use it. And you just got it out and put it down, and you put your mayonnaise on it, and you got your two pieces of bologna, the extra thick stuff. Man, that's good. You put the cheese on it, whatever else that you put on it, and then you take it, put that, slap that piece of bread on it, and then you reach down and you grab that thing and you stick it in your mouth and you take a big bite. And it, it tastes a little fuzzy. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a little fuzzy. And so you begin to investigating to see... What did I put on this sandwich that I was not anticipating? And you take the bread and you peel it back, and sure enough, there it is, mold on your old bread. I don't know how you are. 
But I don't even want the bologna now. I don't want the mayonnaise. I'm not going to take the good stuff and put it on good bread. I'm just, I don't want it. In my mind, the mold has contaminated the, the blessing, the baloney. So I'm ready to start fresh. But I know people in the spirit realm that they're still stuck on last year's blessing. They're still stuck on what God did 25 years ago in their life. And they don't think it can get any better than what it was then. Well, let me just tell you. The only person that you're cheating is yourself. Because when God says, that was good at the time. I blessed you in that moment. I provided that for you in that time and in that moment and in that season. But I'm calling you away from that now because I have been preparing something new and fresh for you that you're going to enjoy on a new level and in an exciting way. And it's going to bless you like you've never been blessed before. I don't want to be blessed like I was 25 years ago. I mean, I'm not, it, it doesn't mean I'm not thankful for it. I am thankful for it. But I want to be blessed with what God has for me today. I, want, I don't want to be blessed in our church and what God did for us 12 years ago. And if you were here when we got started, let me tell you, it was miracle on miracle on miracle on miracle. And if it had not been for the Lord on our side, we would have never made it. But we made it. But I don't want to go back to that day. I don't have to relive any of that. I don't have to go through it again. No, God has a new season for us. He has a new blessing for us. He's calling us out of that land. And He's calling us into this promised land that is flowing with milk and honey. And I want every one of you to go with me as we walk toward that blessing and receive all that God has for us. Amen. Prosperity. So I began asking myself this week, what does milk and honey look like? I've never had milk and honey together. I mean, maybe you have. I don't know what it looks like. Well, then he tells us what it looks like. He said, you're going to get rained on in due season. In the very moment that you need rain, you're going to get it. And it's going to come from my hand. You're not going to have to carry water out of the well. You're not going to have to send grandma down with a bucket to get well water and bring it back to the house. No. He says, I'm going to give you rain at the very moment that you are so dry and parched that nothing in your life will grow. And when I pour rain water from heaven on it, it's going to get a new life and start, start growing and be healthy because I'm going to give you rain. In the moment that you need it. And then he talks on and he said, I'm going to send the early rain and the latter rain. What does that mean? Well, if you've been involved in farming much at all, you know that there are times that you need the rain. And then there are times that you need the rain to stop. You need to get the seed in the ground. You need to let it get watered and then you need to let it grow. You don't want to flood it out. If it rains every day and if it just floods the seed out of the ground, then there will be no harvest. But there's a time for the early rain to stop so that the harvest can come up. And then he says, in the moment when it is necessary, I'll send another rain. I'll send the latter rain at a time when it is absolutely necessary. 
And you know what he's really saying? He's saying to his people, I know exactly what you need in every moment and every season of your life. And if you will trust me, I know how to bless you. I know when to bless you. I know where to bless you. And I'll bless you in the early moments of your life. I'll bless you in the middle moments of your life. And I will bless you in the latter moments of your life. But if you are my child, I will bless you in every season and every moment and give you exactly what you need. Somebody ought to take a moment and just praise the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. He said, you're going to be so blessed that you're going to look out here and you're going to see corn everywhere. And you're going to go gather that corn. And you're going to go over here and see the grapes that are growing. And you're going to say, you know, we need some new wine. And you're going to go harvest those grapes. And you're going to produce the grape juice out of those grapes that have grown because of my blessing. And I'm going to give you fresh oil. I'm going to give you oil that has not spoiled. I'm, I'm going to have you to have oil and create oil in your life anointing uh, that will be fresh in every season I'm so thankful for what God will do that is fresh you know we've been talking a lot the last few weeks about revival you know it started down in Asbury and went to Lee University and went to uh, several other colleges and I've lost count of all the colleges that it went to let me tell you that that's revival when people get hungry and they want to seek God and they're not concerned with the personalities. They're not concerned with the Christian superstars and who shows up and who doesn't. But they just come into the presence of God and they light there and they prolong the experience of worship. That's what was happening today. I mean, there wasn't any need for me to come say anything. There wasn't any need for the singers to sing anymore. There wasn't any need because people had already discovered that they were in the presence of Almighty God and He was here and He was worthy to receive our praise and worship. Boy, I don't know if you've sensed it like I did, but I could just feel it. The old timers used to say that they could experience what a wave of the glory of God. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I can remember as a kid being in church and being in worship and all of a sudden the wave of the Holy Ghost would come into the place and it would start on one side and it would just wave all across the congregation. I can remember times when men would reach back in their back pocket. pocket. Everybody used to carry hankies back in those days. They'd grab that hanky and they'd start flopping that hanky in the air and then somebody else would join them and there you go brother, just keep on doing it for the glory of God. And we would let God know that you are our banner and we we, we are flying and living underneath the banner of God. And we are giving you praise and glory. The wave of the Holy Spirit. The prolonging in the land. The living in the land of where God is blessing. And then finally, and I'm going to close. The last word is provision. You say, okay, well, he's already promised he's going to give us land. He's already promised that he's going to give us corn. Already promised he's going to give us wine. Already promised he's going to give us fresh oil. How is that different from provision? How is prosperity different than provision? Here's how, here's how I explain it to you. 
God creates natural processes that are expressly intended to be incorporated in our lives so that we will have continual provision for everything that we need. Notice what he said. He said, and I will send or provide grass in your fields. Why? For your livestock. For your livestock. Some, some of the uh, interpretations in, in the word says, for your cows to eat. Fowls send grass in the field for, the, for, for your cattle. That thou mayest eat and be full. That you, will be, that you will eat and be satisfied. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, you are going to be blessed because of your cows. Your cows are going to be a blessing to you. Because I am going to send grass so that the cows can eat the grass and so that the cows can provide the milk and can provide the steak and the ground beef. I don't even know if they had ground beef back in those days. But those cows are going to provide what you need and I'm going to provide the grass that will cause those cows to be healthy. So what he is saying is, is that I have put a natural process in place that is meant to bring blessing to your life. And if you will partake of it, and if you will participate in it, you will be blessed and you will have provision after provision after provision because I will provide a natural occurrence that you can take advantage of in your life. Now, I know people, and you do too, that they are so spiritual that unless it's a miracle, they, they don't want anything to do with it. I want God to do a miracle. Well, let me tell you something. If you're sitting at your breakfast table and your wife has made you fried eggs and bacon and a biscuit with some margarine and a little bit of jelly and jam... And it's sitting right there in front of you. You have a couple of choices. You can look at it and pray and say, Lord, you know I'm thankful for this. Now I'm asking for a miracle a provision. Will you cause those eggs to fly up off of my plate and enter into my mouth? And will you allow that butter to miraculously fly onto my biscuit and the jelly to come miraculously out of that jar and into my biscuit and let it just come into my mouth. And Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise for it. For it is in Jesus' name that I ask for this provision. Now listen, I'm not saying God can't do that. He may be able to do that. I know He can do it. But you know what He's going to say to you? Dummy, pick up your fork and get your knife and feed your own self 
I've provided everything else that you need. And it has come through your spouse or the person who takes care of you. What more do you need? Feed yourself. And that's what God is saying to them. I have created a natural process whereby your needs can be met. And you can pray for miracles if you want to. And if there's no other way except it be done by a miracle, then I can do a miracle. And I will do miracles when it's necessary. But when it's something that you can do to participate in the provision that I've already given to you, and you refuse to do it, then it's your own fault that you didn't get blessed. I spent a lot of years fatter than I needed to be. And I'm still considered, every time I go to the doctor, the doctor says that my BMI is too high. And I say, thank you, bless you. I'll pay double the bill if you'll just keep your mouth shut. But it's not God's fault that I spent a lot of my life way overweight. It's my fault. You know why? Because I like to eat. And I didn't pray for miracles that it would magically rise off of my plate and enter into my mouth. No, I know how to use a fork now, and I know how to use a knife, and, and I can even use a spoon when I need to. What I'm saying to you is, is that God has blessings for us through natural processes. That if we will take part in that process, we'll bring blessing into our lives. So you don't have to have a miracle every time you turn around. That makes some of you mad, but that's okay. I'm telling you the truth. You don't have to have a miracle every day of your life. God has already given the miracle in the natural process that you need to be partaking in that will provide what you have need of in your life. Come help me quit, if you will. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I want my cow to bless me. I want your cow to bless me. I want to be blessed by, by your chickens. Wanda brings eggs every week. You know where she gets those eggs? She doesn't get them at Kroger. If you get Kroger eggs, that's all right. Go ahead, do it. You'll have to take out a loan to buy them right now, but you, you just go right ahead. But if you like naturally grown eggs, there are people in this church that have them. She'll come in the back door with a bag, hanging, holding this bag, and she'll say, these are dirty eggs. That means they haven't been washed. And if you want clean eggs, you're going to have to wash them. Do you know where she got those? She got them from chickens. Look at your neighbor and say, she got the dirty eggs from chickens. God made the chickens. And he made the chickens lay eggs. So we eat eggs because of a miraculous, natural process that God set in motion. So there would be a blessing in our lives. So stop fighting against God, telling Him that you want a miracle all the time. Taking advantage of the natural processes that He has placed in your life that are meant to be a blessing to you. 
I mentioned this Wednesday night, I think, about the state of California. For a lot of years now, California has been in severe drought. I mean, to the point that they've been told, don't water your lawns, don't, don't do this, don't do that, because there's no water. Take pictures of their reservoirs, and their reservoirs completely empty in some instances. Nothing there. The last few weeks, something has been happening in California that is unusual, but it's a natural process that is taking place. It's coming from the hand of God. You say, do you know that, Pastor? Yeah, I know. I know that. It's coming from the hand of God. You know what they call them? They call them atmospheric rivers. How many of you have ever heard that terminology? It means that instead of the river being in a riverbed, God is sending it from the heavenlies. And it's being delivered on the wings of the atmosphere. And rain is coming upon rain, upon rain, upon rain, upon rain. And the reservoirs are filling up with rainwater. What was empty just a few weeks ago is now teeming with life. More almost than they feel like they can handle. And then you know what happened? More snow than they knew what to do with. Some areas over 60 feet of snow. Let me just go ahead and tell you in advance. If we have 60 feet of snow come next weekend, church is canceled. You don't have to bother to come. I won't be here. I'll be digging snow forts. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Dig a snow fort? Put up a flag on top? Have snowball wars? Over 60 feet of snow. And do you know what that snow's doing right now? It's melting. Do you know where that melted snow is going right now? It's going right into those same reservoirs that are already holding the river atmospheric rains that have come but didn't fill the reservoir. It needed more. So God sent the snow. The snow's melting. The snow, the melted snow's now coming into those reservoirs. And people who have not had water for a long time have more water than they can use. Uh, and they can't give credit to anybody or anything other than the God of this universe who decided that it's time for me to release my blessing upon this earth. He said, well, I can't believe God would bless California. Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of righteous people in California. There are a lot of good godly people in California. The Jesus revolution started in California. There are some people who have been crying out to God in California and the God that I serve in Kentucky is the same God 
When he blesses me, he promises to bless his people in California. And he is blessing them. And he is saying, I want you to come out of that land of lack. I want you to come out of that that land of drought. And I want you to come over here. Because I am preparing a place for you. And this land will be flowing with milk and honey. I want to be there, don't you? Stand, if you will, with me. Provision. Provision. We're going to close with prayer and with communion. I want the ushers to come, if you will, with the communion elements, and they're going to stand down here and come down, receive the elements, and then we'll partake together. Sing us, sing us down to the altar, if you will.